Hey, welcome to the Road and Morale podcast. Did you ever feel like screaming out in the office on Zoom or outside the school gate? For the love of God, come on, really? And if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rona Morrell. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges. Keeping the show unpolished, but with a fun and unique British style. With sarcasm, tenacity, or maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how. Through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like the Housewives of New York or Towie with the lipo and drama, and more like the house lives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally get in the confidence to shout, come on really. So enjoy. Hey Thomas, welcome to the Rona Morale podcast. I'm so excited to have you on, so thank you for taking the time out um, with your beautiful garden behind you there. Um, so, <laughs> I'll come around and do a bit of pruning. Um, so yeah, look, I think for the listeners, I'd like to tell them a little bit more about you. So you've always um, had a passion for the social and economic benefits of sort of travel and your career has been in rail and transport, etc., in various different roles, which has been incredible. But I think through your journey, you've, you know, you've always wanted to dedicate bringing improvements to travel bringing family and friends together and kind of reducing that impact on the planet, which is, you know, obviously a huge thing for me as well in terms of connection. So you are the entrepreneur behind um, Snap. Um, And what we're going to really talk about today is one thing I said I wasn't going to do, which is politics and religion. But I know you've got these really intriguing ways of looking at the political world and alternative facts. But before we dive into that, please just tell me a little bit about um, Snap for my listeners, because I've had a look at it and I think it's a great concept. Yeah, sure. I mean, we are a, a, a two-sided marketplace, we're a travel platform. So you know, there's a whole load of businesses now, and actually some of the things we're going to talk about later come right into this stuff, which are about connecting different groups of people to make other stuff possible. So the idea behind Snap um, came from Airbnb. Um, you've got lots of people with houses, flats, spare rooms, they're not really able to use as much of as they'd like. There's loads of people who want accommodation. And if you can create an online platform that brings those people together, then better stuff can happen. Um, I've spent my entire career in the world of transport. I'm working for you know, big corporates, National Express, uh, Riva Group, etc. And yeah, they, they were great employers. And I loved working for them. But I always felt that the, the, the service that we, the transport people, could offer could be cheaper. Um, it could yeah. be more personalised. Um, it could be more, 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 more responsive, but, but, but how? And then I looked up, there's all these, there's about a thousand small family-owned coach firms in Britain, um, which just don't have access to, 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 the, to, to the market, to the, to the intercity travel market that's entirely sewn up by the big corporates that I used to work for. And if we could create a sort of Airbnb-style platform where people can say, I want this type of journey, I want to go here, I want to go there, and then those small family-owned firms have a space where they can jump in and they can run those trips. We give them new employment, we give them new work, we, get, we give them the chance to get more vehicles, expand their business, employ more drivers, and we give the chance for the consumer to get better, more responsive, more personalised travel. Um, so so, that- so when, did you, when did you set that up? Because for someone, um, you know, I travel quite a lot, you know, whether it's in the UK or abroad, and I, you know, being brutally honest, I've not heard of you. So 
when did you launch and how do we get people more aware of this? So we started in 2017, so we've been going for three years now. Um, and we're in the moment, we're in a handful of cities only. So um, I, we're in Nottingham, which I think you're a Midlander, so Nottingham's yeah. the nearest city that, um, that we serve to, 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 to you. We're in Nottingham, we're in Bristol, we're in Cardiff, we're in London. Um, and you know, it's, been, it's been going really well. The customers who use it absolutely love it. I mean, the, the star ratings, every journey star rated by every customer, and the star ratings are phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. 4.8 average. Um, on Google and on Facebook, on our own internal star ratings platform, 4.7, on Trustpilot, 4.6. I mean, these are unbelievable star ratings for a, for a transport business, which traditionally generates relatively low levels of customer service. Yeah. But it's because you know, it is a personalized service from small, independent, family-owned firms. You know, the, firms the firms in the Midlands we use, you know, they're firms like you know, Paul Winston Coaches of Loughborough that is owned by the Winston family and run by the Winston family. And they know every single driver they work with. <laughs> Same for Roberts coaches, the same for Hammond's coaches, the same for Anderson's coaches. These are owned by small, you know, these are small businesses owned by founding families where they can put their arms around their drivers. And it makes a huge difference to service yeah. customers. And so you're telling me then that I can get from A to B in those cities and you're saying I can do that cheaper? I'm saying you can do it cheaper. I'm saying you'll get fantastic service. Um, and I'm saying that we'll pick you up and drop you off somewhere far more convenient to you than a traditional city centre bus or train station. Wow, okay, amazing. I look forward to testing this out. I've, seen, I've already been on your website and, and you know, had a nosy and had a look. So I think definitely next time, I don't go to Nottingham much actually, but definitely next time I'm in London, I'll, I'll check it out. So thanks for just telling the listeners about it because I just think it would be a myth not to let more people know about this because I think if, if, I if what you're saying is great service and it's cheaper and it's more convenient, then... That's, that's a massive thing. And, and I'm sure you've probably been massively hit during this time and frustrating for everybody. But as we come out eventually, then um, hopefully people will start to engage with the platform and, and, and enjoy the service. So congratulations on it. So um, moving on to, I guess, the one thing I said I'd never talk about, which is politics. Um, and I apologise to my listeners now, I don't have a political background, I am a good old Midlander and I'm sure we all have a nice healthy debate, but I'm really interested to know more. I think we joked before about, you know, your poor wife having to put up with these conversations, so let's give your wife a break for half an hour and um, let's just um, kind of dive in and tell me more about what you mean about, you know, these conversations that you have and these alternative facts. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I, you've probably heard the phrase alternative facts. And that, that came from, it was Donald Trump immediately after his inauguration. And he said that he had more people come to his, his inauguration than any president in history before. It was the biggest event ever. And it was pointed out, you know, people just put, put photos up showing that about half the number of people came to his inauguration to, 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 to Trump's inauguration, to, to Obama's inauguration. It was not true. Um, and, and, and his spokesman said, oh, well, the president has alternative facts. And you know, this, this idea that we now can just invent whatever truth we want. Um, and you know, we, we kind of used to call it lying. Um, and if you said something that wasn't true as a, as a politician, it used to be known as lying, and then you'd have to resign if it was found out. And what seems to have happened recently is that you can now just invent your own version of the truth. And you know, I'm not, we're not going to get into the, into the details of Brexit here, don't worry. But you know, the 350 million for the NHS was never true. That, just, that number was yeah. not true. It was just not true. But you this is coming from a guy who hates fake news. Yeah, I mean, he, he hates fake news because he invents... I mean, you know, if, you, if, you, if you look at the things that Donald Trump says, they are 
he lies or invents facts constantly. I mean, the things that are, as he says, are to an extraordinary degree, not true. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, 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 there's a fact checker that keeps an eye on, on what Donald Trump says. And he typically, he says something that is you know, known not to be true, that is proven, demonstrably proven not to be true about once a week. Um, whereas, yeah, previously a politician who, who, who said things that weren't true and was found out, yeah, it would be a life, a career ending, a career ending change. And we've gone. So why, why do you think, is it, is it the movement of social media? What is it? Because millions of people love him and believe in him. And, you know, like you say, if I was in my job and I lied every week, I would be very soon caught out and fired. Well, I would hope I would. So how, so how can these guys still get away with it then? I, and that for me is, is, is the thing that, you know, I, I, we, we as, a, as a society, we've got to fix. We've got to, we've got, and there's no pressure to do this. I mean, one of the reasons why my poor wife has to endure me ranting is because the thing, the thing that the things I think is most important right now is the thing that no one's really talking about, which is what we do about, about social media. And I think it is social media. And I, I've thought a lot about this, partly because it's linked to the business I run. You know, when we started, we were talking about the fact that Snap is a, is a platform business. We connect one group of people to another group of people. We don't, you know, you can come to us and buy travel, but we don't own coaches. We don't employ drivers. And there's lots and lots of businesses that do this right now. And they're very empowering. You know, you can now dial up food on delivery, but they don't have kitchens. And you know, actually they do a few now, but in general. <laughs> uh, um, and you know, the social media platforms are the purest of these platforms in one sense, because they connect lots and lots of people to enable them to do stuff and share content. But actually, if you dive into the business models of these, of these, of these social media platforms and it's incredibly dangerous um, the mm. way they're designed and the lack of control that we have and it's those social media platforms that enable this you know this, this the, these alternative facts um to, to to be able to be perpetuated you know i mean people have lied all the time but it, it they didn't get away with it they can now get away with it because they've got an alternative channel through to get these facts uh, perpetuated but it's because yeah. of the way social media is designed that that becomes possible. Well, it's interesting because yesterday I saw the vice president of Facebook for um, EMEA and the, the, the copy of the conversation was actually around, you know, kind of hate and content that should be taken down straight away. And I think she I think she said they've got something like 35,000 people working on that globally to kind of constantly do that. But then there was part of me thinking, okay, they've gone down, they've gone from taking 20% down to 90% down. But how can you or Facebook or anyone, maybe I don't understand the tech, but it's like, I could put a lie about anyone or any company on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn right now. And people might generally believe what I'm saying and then repost, repost. You can't stop the entire world of social media from yeah, unless there is this super intelligent AI that I'm just not aware of. How, how I felt a bit sorry for them in a way. I was like, how do you stop it completely? You can't, surely. No, I mean, the way those platforms are designed, you absolutely can't. And if you think about what, what you know, Facebook is, is, is by far the most important example of this, you know, the most used communication platform on earth is Facebook. Um, mm. After that, it's WhatsApp, owned by Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> owned by Facebook. You know, Facebook and its uh, other platforms are used by you know, about one and a half billion people. I mean, that is, you know, it is the most used form of communication that 
has ever existed. And you know, the power that Mark Zuckerberg mm. has, I mean, let, you know, most people sort of forget that Facebook is controlled by one man, you know, one man alone. So just to sort of, in case people don't remember this, um, Facebook is not, there's, there's no publication of its algorithms, there's no publication of how it works, um, and there's not even shareholder control. The way, the way tech companies typically work in America, and Facebook is one of these, is when they sell shares, you don't get voting rights with those shares. So even mm. though Facebook has, is listed on the, on the stock exchange and people, and, and, and people can buy shares in Facebook, it is still entirely controlled by Mark Zuckerberg. Now, if you just stop and think for a minute that we've given control of how we communicate, the thing that most of us use every day, not quite most of us, but you know, about two thirds yeah. of us, um, to one person, that's never before ha happened in human history. It's astonishing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the way it's designed influences what people see. So if we want to influence, if we want to take back control of what people see, we've got to get, we've got to find a way of taking control back of, of, of social media platforms. And at the moment, that's not being talked about. You know, the fact that the whole, the whole communication infrastructure of the whole world is controlled by one man just isn't a story. Well, maybe it should be. Maybe we should be talking about that. Yeah, see, I've never really, I've never really looked at it like that. I guess I've always, I've always enjoyed the platform for what it is. But I think, you know, the, the more you delve into it, and I guess as my kids are getting older, um, my, my eldest doesn't have Facebook yet, but she does have Instagram and uses WhatsApp. And I think that's when you start to delve that bit, that bit deeper. And then you see how people get triggered on Twitter and um, Facebook and you get these, you know, ar huge arguments. And I've seen it even on posts that I've put in and I've kind of stepped back and gone, guys, you, you, you're getting personal now. And you think, like, is it, is it because it's a bit like the bullying thing, isn't it? Is it because that you can say it and there's no way of proving whether you actually said it unless you physically, physically wrote that tweet? or that you're not having to face somebody when you're doing it, does that make lying easier? I think part of it is the fact that, you know, Facebook allows everyone to exist in their own unique Facebook world. You know, your Facebook feed looks dramatically different to my Facebook feed, looks dramatically different to everyone. Everyone else's is unique. So before, there's been this kind of shared environment in which we all can see what we're all reading, you know. So if you imagine only 20 years ago, um, the way political information happened, you know, there would be some newspapers and, you know, we all knew that the Daily Mail was right wing and the Daily Mirror was left wing and the Daily Telegraph was right wing and the Guardian was left wing. But we could all go into the newsagents and read, see what, what each, everyone was reading. You, obviously, you, you choose to read a paper that reflected your own interest, but you could see what other people were being told as well. And at election time, they put a big billboard up above the petrol station and you could see what, what everyone was being told. Yeah. Now, your social media feed reflects precisely what your friends are saying. And yet, when you're on your own Facebook, you know, it's a really intimate thing, Facebook. You, you, know, you look at Facebook, people look at Facebook in the loo, you know, and in bed, and in really <laughs> intimate places where you're, you're, ly you're, you're lying in bed, scrolling through what your friends are saying. Yeah. That gives you this sort of false view that what your friends are saying is what the world thinks. And of course, it isn't what the world thinks because you know every single day there's 500 million tweets there's 55 million facebook status updates so of course you're not seeing what the world thinks but you kind of get this reassurance that oh yeah the world thinks what i think 
And so when you then start to get you know, fake facts coming into that, well, they're being shared by humans. I mean, I'm a, you know, I, 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 want, I want a consumer platform. You know, marketing yeah. is important to us. Everyone in marketing knows that you know, referrals, personal recommendation, word of mouth, they are, they're the things that stick. They're, when people hear something from someone whose name they recognize, they believe that. And yeah. so social media is perfectly designed to create this world in which you think that everyone agrees with you. So it reinforces your own perceptions. Then you're more willing to accept things that aren't true because you're here, you're all, by definition, if, you, if it reaches you on social media, it's reached you in a way that feels truthful because it's come from your own curated set of people. It's quite um, self-centered in a way, isn't it? Because then you're just trying to reinforce what you may or may not believe. And I think as somebody who constantly tries to kind of get the other side you know friends will know me as you know if it's the boy and girl chat I don't just stick up for my girlfriend it's like yeah but have you thought about this and that person may feel that and I do that with my kids it's kind of if you're constantly only getting that information then your ability to be better educated is is somewhat limited and Facebook isn't you know, it, it, when you read the news if you, if you in in the olden days when you would open a newspaper you're, you're opening the newspaper to read news so you're, you're you're switching on a kind of critical bit of your brain you know that's okay mm. i'm going to spend an hour with this cup of coffee reading the news whereas with facebook you go on to facebook to catch up with what your friends are thinking to catch up with what's going on you know um to to to, to you, know, you might be going on to get your local parents group and see what you know, so that but it's constantly infused you know, with with news articles that are being shared by your friends um, and those news articles may or may not be true because actually it's all once it's out there, it takes on a life of its own. But it comes with the validation, and you're not in a you're not in a critical frame of mind when you when you're lying in bed scrolling through your Facebook feed. Or sat so, on the toilet. <laughs> people do. People listening to this do that. Uh, yeah, I just think that is so gross. That freaks me out. I'm like, oh God, no. And then I don't know if it, this is random, random fact here, but a couple of years ago I was working um, and I got to meet this guy and we were looking at uh, particles and microbes and things like this. And he told me this fact, and to this day it freaks me out, is that every time you flush the toilet, the particles go up to eight foot in the air. Now, that just disgusting. So the thought of someone sitting on the toilet, doing that, flushing the toilet, their phones next to them, I, oh, sorry, we've completely got into toilet humour now from politics. Course, but... Yeah, if you, if, you, if you found that fact on Facebook, how would you know whether it was true or not, you know? <laughs> exactly, it was only because I was talking to someone who, like, well, I hope was in the know. Um, but ever since then, yeah, it's like toilet down, then flush. Two foot, um, two foot, two foot, happens, doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, we're all lost. We don't know. You don't know what's true anymore. You know that's true. I but know. You... But even still, it's like, you know, you, you could say that and then somebody would go, yeah, but how do you know this guy? And, and then sometimes you... But what, what, you know, in terms of your business, you need the likes of social. You need, um, you know, those word of mouth and recommendations. And it's just been in the news recently, you know, people lying about um you know reviews and trust pilots and they've proved you can just go on and fake anything i think that i think i mean I, my business uses facebook all the time and we use facebook um to talk to our customers and we use facebook as an advertising mechanism and i think again it's one of the things people you know, forget about facebook is you know, 
Facebook is not designed to inform you. Facebook is not designed to help you or to be your friend or to make society better. Facebook is an incredibly successful private business which is designed to sort people out into buckets that can be advertised again. So, you know, if you go onto your Facebook profile buried very, very, very deep where they don't want you to find it, you know, they've listed all the things they believe about you. You can find it and see what they think you're interested in so that you get more of that kind of stuff. And you know, that Facebook's business purpose in life is to sort us all out into advertisable buckets. That's why it exists. And it's kind of, but, but that, even, even that freaks me out. It's kind of like, you know, if I've, I've looked at something on my laptop and then two minutes later, I might go on my Facebook feed and see an advert for that cat food or dog food or whatever it might be. You're like, oh, I've seen that on my laptop and now it's on my phone. And it's kind of that, do I ignore the fact that there are many companies out there who know way more about me than probably most of my family or do I really delve into it and go, hey, no, this isn't acceptable. Like, I feel like we've lost all control. And, you know, my take on it is I, I personally, actually, I don't that much mind the idea that Facebook knows an obscene amount about me. I mean, it does. I look, you know, they do know a lot about me. I don't, I don't kind of mind that. Other than the fact that Facebook is also where we get our news from and where we get most of our political information from, which never used to be the case. And we've given control of how we learn about the world, how we learn about news, how we learn about politics to an organisation who's purpose is to sort us out into buckets for advertising you know when you, you know, the bbc when it was founded 100 years ago you know its purpose was to inform educate and entertain and facebook's yeah. purpose is to flog ads to us and to make it as easy as possible to divide us into groups so it can do so and that well you know I'd, is that how we want the world now because we're well, the world now but how do you think though that from a political point of view because Facebook will just go, well, it's, it's other people posting, it's companies, it's organisations posting. We don't control freedom of speech. You know, how does, how does putting people into buckets match actually where we get our political views from? Exactly. And you're right. That's exactly what Facebook would say. But of course, they ignore the fact that they control the rules of the game. They design how the platform works. So you know, to give you an a very concrete example, at the last election, um, the Conservative Party, of course, went on to win the election put out 1,600 completely separate Facebook ads. And each of those was micro-targeted at different buckets of customers with different users, Facebook users with different groups of interest. So you know, when, when two people went to vote for the Conservative Party, no one, you don't know what your neighbour was voting for. You don't know what information they were shown. So I'll, I'll give you an example, you know, a, a specific ad that was put out, one of 1,600 different ads, it said, under Labour, petrol would rise by 16 pence per litre. Yeah. Now, that wasn't true. That, that was made up. Um, but it was pushed out, and no one could challenge it because no one knew it was happening. You, know, you can go back now and look at, you know, click through all these thousands of ads that were put out in the last election. But you know, once upon a time, if you wanted to know what all the parties did, you could stand in a roundabout, look at five, ad, five adverts and say, OK, there we go. That's what they're saying, and then you can decide who you want to vote for. Whereas now, in our own little illa bucket, sitting on our own toilets, we're seeing messages designed for us that no one else is seeing, and we're going out and voting and thinking and believing on that basis based on facts which might or might not even be true. And that, when you strip that back and you explain it so well, I, I, I guess that brings me back. Like when we were doing the whole Brexit thing, and I was going, "Look, just give, give me what does staying in and what does staying out mean?" To the best of our knowledge this is what it means, give me the top 20, and then I can look at it. 
and and that kind of resonates with that this is what all the different parties are going to do and you could hold them to account how is it then that you know as the <laughs> as the brand marketeer for labor or conservative can pull out now i know that you can have these 1600 ads but if a thousand of them aren't true who's out there holding them to account and going if you don't know that for a fact, and that's not what's going to happen, you cannot put it out. No one. I mean, literally no one. So after the election, last election, you know, an, an independent fact-checking group went through and checked all these ads, and it took a long time, because a lot of them, and found 88% of the ads on the Conservative side were not true. And um, how does that compare to, say, um, Labour or anyone else? What, what happens on this election, this sounds partisan, it isn't Labour generally were true. Liberal Democrats were somewhere in the middle. The Conservative Party um, lied the most. Liberals lied a bit. Labour didn't lie at all. Um, and I'm not saying that's why the result was what it was. There was a lot of other reasons why the result was it was. It's not just this. But nevertheless, there is no, there is no reason not to lie at the moment. There's no sanction against lying. In, 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 you know, if you look at the, you, know, you mentioned the Brexit referendum and Dominic Cummings, who ran the, 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 the Leave campaign, we had afterwards talked through their strategy and their strategy was very explicit. Um, they, they hoarded their budget, their campaign budget, um, and they spent um, almost all of it, and he, he quoted the percentage, and I can't remember the percentage, but it was almost yeah. all of it in the last three days before the campaign, all on Facebook and social media, in right. targeted adverts, when by the time anyone knew what was being said, the campaign was over. And that was absolutely explicit. That was their strategy. And of course, it, it worked. And successful. So, and no one can hold them to account. So, and if you look at the way that regulation of, 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 of campaigns runs, I mean, this is really important stuff. So, you know, it is not allowed. If you're a political campaign or party, you're not allowed to buy TV adverts. It's, all, it's been felt, you know, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. You're allowed to have billboards ads. You're allowed to put leaflets through the door, but it's incredibly tightly controlled. What, how much you can spend. It's got to be listed where it's come from. Yeah. And, and yet on social media, it's the Wild West. You can I mean, do whatever you want, you can say whatever you want and repeat it as many times and there's no regs against that. There was a campaign in the last election called Third Party Limited. No one knows who they were, no one knows who controlled them, no one knows where they got their money from. And this organisation was on Facebook advertising for the Conservative Party in Chingford, for the Scottish National Party in, up when, in the seat that um, the leader of the Lib Dems was in, what's her name, you know, I can't remember her name now, um, the one who resigned. <laughs> She didn't last long. Not bigger in politics. Uh, and and for the Green Party in Cambridge. Now, no one, no one authentically supports Ian Duncan Smith and the Green Party and the Scottish National Party. That that person doesn't exist, you know. So no. they were out there on Facebook spending simply because they wanted to harm someone else in each of those seats. You know, typically, typically uh, the, the most left wing candidate. Now. Maybe you should be able to do that. Maybe you shouldn't be able to do that. But it was anonymous. We don't know where the money was coming from. And does that feel does that feel like what we should be doing? That no one is campaign. You, you can go out there and campaign anonymously against people without any idea of who you actually are and without any controls over what, whether what you're saying is true or not. I don't. I mean, personally, for me, I I really frigging hate liars and you know not holding people to account so i really struggle with this and i feel like it's a massive mountain to try and, and and climb in a way i guess 
it's interesting what you say. Should, is there a person out there who should be doing that for the three? And sometimes I'll look at religion and go, I love that about Buddhism. I love that about Christianity. I love, actually, if I could bring all of that together, that's what would be right for me. So maybe it is, well, I enjoyed that bit of Labour. I want that bit of Conservative and this bit of the Green Party. I'm, I'm open to that way of thinking. It wasn't um, highly targeted seats. They were they were specific people they were out to get in that case. You know, it was it was only one, it was only three seats they were in. You know, um, yeah. It was it was it was very it was high, below the radar, hyper targeted at very specific people. And um, well, do we know who they that company is now? We don't. I did. I did. They came spent some money, which if it was on leaflets would be illegal. If it was on on, on, on newspaper adverts would be illegal without knowing who they are. What they're, how much they're spending, and with control to how much they could spend. It's, 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 you know, the, it's, it's not, um, and, and we come back to what we said earlier, which is, you know, should there be regulation of this stuff? Well, I think there should, you know, should be. I don't think, yeah, why? I don't think you should be able to spend unlimited sums of money. Um, and I think we should know what we're being told and what our neighbours are being told so that we can all know why we're voting for what we're voting for. But who sets the rules? Well, it comes back to what I said earlier literally one man, Mark Zuckerberg. There is no other influence on what Facebook does. If Mark Zuckerberg does not want it to happen, and on political advertising, he does not want it to change, he's been very explicit about that, it right. will change. And no one else on earth can make him the way the rules are at the moment. No one. Not even his so, church. So actually, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the perfect loophole then for any campaign, be it political, be it religious, be it hate crime, be it whatever, a brand, they can say what they want without being fact-checked and, yeah, never be held to account. Yeah, and you're, you're, you, know, you, you mentioned you met someone from Facebook who was talking about how much they're trying to take down. And I, 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 I honestly believe that Facebook are doing their best to take down things that are against their policies um, whenever they can. But two things. The first thing is it's, it's when it's against their policies. So they have, they have no policies around political advertising. You can lie as much as you like. You can do as much hyper-targeted advertising and politics as you like, and that's not against their rules. So, you know, yes, they're trying to take things down that breach their rules, but they set their own rules. And yeah. that's the critical point is here. They, they have chosen their rules, and their rules are not designed to make our, you know, to, to help make a society cohesive, to help us get on with each other, to help us make good decisions. Their rules are designed to sell adverts. That's what their rules are designed to do. That's why they're there. And so is he, in any way, is he defended why he doesn't want to change the political way that he set his rules? Like, why is he so adamant that he doesn't want to? Is it because of the money involved? He's said that it's because, you know, it's a freedom of speech argument that people should be able to buy um, political advertising if they want to. Now, that, that you can make that argument. Obviously, you can make that argument. But equally, we have also made arguments about every other thing other than social media, where actually political decisions are so important and they affect all of our lives so fundamentally that we're not just going to allow a situation where anyone can say anything. And, you know, I get his freedom of speech argument, but I think the, re the thing that's really scary about it and why I would not agree with that argument is you don't know what's being said. You know, mm. if, 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 if Boris Johnson goes and makes a speech tomorrow, and it's reported on the news, we all know what he said. And then we can decide if we agree or disagree, and we can have a, a sensible debate about that. You know, I'm not arguing that people should all agree with each other. But the scary thing about social media is you have no idea what any of the political parties are saying to your neighbours. You have no idea. Absolutely none. Uh, when you have a discussion about, you know, 
Boris Johnson or Keir Starmer or you know whoever's now leading the Liberal Democrats, you know, you 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 can you'll you'll you can have a nice chat with them over the garden fence, but you've no idea what they have yeah. been told by those people. Um, what influences have been? Yeah. Ooh, does that feel right? Doesn't feel right to me. It, it doesn't because I feel like it's a bit like kind of that sneaky playground argument where the the one bully is kind of going, well, she said this about you and she said this yeah. about you and he's lying and and then says a completely different story. And I think, but then you kind of get to that point where you can see why so many people are so disengaged with it, are so fed up with it. They don't know what to believe, so they don't vote or they just go, I'll do that because my dad did it, or hell, I don't know. And, and, and then it feels, it feels like a wasted opportunity. But this accountability thing for me is, I, I feel more angry now. <laughs> Thanks. I've been spoken to you because it's... You see why my wife wanted me to talk to someone else. <laughs> but it, it's kind of like, you, you, you know, you've really pinpointed some things. It's like this one man who you know, can kind of make his own rules and priorities and regulations. And then we can get fed information that is fake news or alternative facts. Um, and so that creates more tension. So if I've been seeing one stream of content and you're seeing the other, I might be absolutely adamant that my conversation with you is correct. You're going to hold on a minute. Um, I, I, yeah. So is it meant to divide us? It's, it's, it, it, I mean, yeah, literally, their business model is designed to divide us. I mean, it's literally designed to sort us into advertisable buckets. So, you know, their, their business model does not reward bringing people together. It rewards sorting people into buckets. And the other thing their business model does, you know, it rewards engagement because you, know, you can only sell adverts if people are watching. And so they want as many people as possible to be addicted to their platform. And they have teams and teams and teams of people whose job it is to make Facebook more addictive. And we know, you know, the, 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 this is not this is not conspiracy. This is this is what the, their job is. It's fine. I mean, yeah. the, the, that's their business model. It, it's what they do. Um, but of course, the, the, therefore, the way that Facebook works, and it doesn't have to work this way. It's just the way it's designed to work. Is that things that more people click on and like and engage with um, get seen by more people. And of course, that tends to be more extreme content so you know if you're on a if you're on sort of soft right you know soft conservative party supporter all your life then you probably won't be friends with many socialists but you will be friends with a handful of people who are more to the right of you and because those 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 positions they sprouts are more extreme they'll tend to get a bit more engagement so they'll they'll float to the surface so you'll start seeing more messages that just pull your thinking to the right and then your friend over who's a soft left you know soft labor kind of you know probably voted for tony blair wouldn't have voted for jeremy corbyn but they they're seeing the equivalent on the left and yeah. so their thinking just gets pulled slightly to the left and so we're gradually being pulled apart and it's really interesting if you now look around the world the way you know once upon a time you know the the middle kind of moved you know the middle you know the the, the middle that there's this kind of you know floating voter concept and if you look around the world now we're being sorted into these kind of opposing buckets you know on in, in this country you know we had brexit which is really close 50 50 scottish mm. independence is 50 50 catalan independence in spain is 50 50 the um the election in um in 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 america last time and this time is absolutely you know really tight it looks you know yeah second time in a row it looks like you know one side might might 
might win the vote and the other side wins because of the electoral college all this stuff you know so we it feels like that the way these these platforms are designed to work just gradually sorts us into into um opposing buckets yeah know? and so as a as a you know as an average you know midland girl how could i how could i better protect myself with the likes on facebook you clearly have kind of delved into it and had a look in those little deep dark rooms behind closed doors like I guess, do I just forget it and go, it's Facebook, I see my mates, that's it, ignore the ads, I'll take it for what it is? Or... I think, I mean, I I, one of the reasons I feel so strongly about this is because I actually think it's really hard to solve as individuals because I'm not going to suggest anyone stops using Facebook. I'm not going to stop using Facebook. You know, um, it's the only thing there is. It's a, the whole point about that business is that once everyone's on one thing, we all have to use it forever. That's kind of why they're such a valuable company um and why it's been so successful so i'm not going to suggest not using facebook and that's why i actually would love to see this being debated at a national level and to say look how do we regulate what do we want from this you know if things don't achieve outcomes as a society that we want then we put in place regulations you know we said we said cars have to have seat belts and that's to make them safer and i think facebook now needs some seat belts fitted by law to make it safer for society. However, having said that, I think the most important thing is just to constantly remind yourself that you know, there are you know, hundreds of millions of tweets and Facebook posts being made, and you're only seeing a tiny, tiny fraction because you humans, the human brain is wired. It's absolutely, yeah, this has been studied by, you know, I don't know if you've read the book, um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, but it's a- No, I've heard about it brilliant book that describes how humans think and in-depth research over 40 years into how we think. And one of the most important principles he describes is called what you see is all there is. The human brain is designed that as soon as we, we see something and are interested in it, we forget everything else. We just believe what we see. And so when you see your Facebook feed and you see the things that are being talked about and raised by your, your hundred friends or however many you have, just to keep reminding yourself, that there's another one and a half billion people out there who are seeing utterly different stuff and that it's not you, your friends are not typical or normal they're just a random group of people largely and if yeah. you have a group of people who are saying a load of stuff there's a load of things you're not seeing because we can dive into it and think oh i've now seen you know you know at the moment there's lots of different you know, well i mean i do this with my wife sometimes we'll just look down our our Facebook feeds, and we live in different worlds. Yeah, you know, we live in completely different. I worlds. might try that with Nick tonight, actually, and no, just no. just think, preferably not on the toilet, but um, <laughs> I might just kind of scroll down and 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 kind of put that into practice. Or next time I'm with, oh, what are we allowed? Six people, social yeah. distance. Kind of get six random people and and actually go through their Facebook feeds because I quite like the fact that there are some people on my Facebook feeds that I fundamentally disagree with what they say and I do find myself sitting there going off <laughs> I'm going to defend them but I love hearing that because there's two particular ones and they're super passionate about their cause their belief whatever it is and obviously I won't name who they are um and I love seeing that because I love seeing the extreme opposite to what I don't necessarily believe in but they are so passionate about so 
And of course, even that's fascinating because though you know, you've got two friends with those particular passions. Now, if you hadn't got those two friends and had two friends with slightly different passions, then suddenly those would be the things that brought to the front of your attention. And there's probably another 10,000 causes that you're not seeing because you haven't got friends with those particular passions. So we all live in this kind of hyper, hyper, hyper curated world where there isn't, you know, once upon a time, we all sat down and watched the 10 o'clock news at night and we got, you know, a professional editor's view as to what's most important. Now that's a slightly patriarchal view. And yeah. I, I think there's huge benefits to social media being able to democratize what we find out, you know, and if you look at what's happening in Belarus at the moment, where social media is being used to foment a revolution, which may or may not succeed. And we saw the same thing happen in the Arab Spring, you know, social media being able to be used by people to bypass what you know, they're being told is important, is, incred is, is incredibly valuable. But the Facebook isn't designed to achieve good stuff. It's not designed for that. Designed... Why, why do you think then? I mean, I, you know, if we can kind of start to try and round it off, maybe, but why do you think then that we haven't just regulated and said, look, if this is the rule for billboards, papers, TV adverts, this is also the rule for social media. Why haven't we done it? I think there's a number of reasons. Um, one is because it's incredibly hard because these are global companies and you need a certain amount of cross-national consensus as to what the regulations will be. You know, if you just, if we, if we create, make life too hard for Facebook in the UK, they'll probably just stop. And actually, I'm not sure the, you know, the British people want to be told they can't use Facebook anymore. They'll probably say, okay, we'll just block Britain from Facebook. Probably easier for them than having a set of rules for every country. Um, they've got a lot of power. So I think it's really hard to do, and therefore no one's tried to do it. Being honest as well, um, it, it's, why, it's why it's often really hard to get these, these things done, is that the people who have to make the rules are the people who've just won by the old rules, you know. Um, yeah. It's it, who, you know, we, we, since Facebook almost, you know, the, the, this incarnation of Facebook, this incarnation of Facebook as a publisher, as opposed to simply a, you know, do you remember the old days? I, I don't mind, I love the old days of Facebook. No, I'm far too young. You know, we, we poked each other, you know, it was all poking and being, you know, it was all very friendly and it was genuinely just a way to keep in touch with your friends. That was lovely. Um, and, and since then, we've only really had one government in power and they've, they've got no incentive to change it because they're currently winning by that system. But it's not about who's in charge. Um, but I don't think you know, if, if in the next election, um, the Labour Party start doing the same thing as the Conservative Party did in the last election and, you know, blast away with lots of misleading adverts in the last couple of days and win that way, they're probably not going to change the rules either. That's kind of how no. it works. Isn't it? Who changes the, who pulls away the ladder? They just climbed up. Yeah, I guess, you know, we're, well, I certainly don't have the answers, but I guess it's kind of just knowing that it's been interesting to remind myself that it is a platform aimed to target me at what it thinks I want to hear and see. Um, and it's a bit like the, you know, you're kind of fake friends in a way versus yeah. your true mate that just goes, Rona, you look like shit, you're talking shit, and actually, you know, this is what you need to stop doing. And I think it's just reminding myself and, and, our, you know, and the listeners that, and, you know, there's some really empowering things there, you know, maybe a few tests around getting some different news feeds and seeing what they look like. Um, but it does feel like a massive mountain. But I, I have to say, I have a massive issue with obvious lies. And I, I fundamentally just don't see how we can continue to let that happen and no one is held accountable. I'm making a fundamental decision on who I'm going to vote for or if I'm going to leave the EU. I suppose if I'm brutally honest, when you saw those figures on the bus, 
you knew it's like any figure or market research it can be accumulated or cut in in a million different ways you knew that wasn't true but plenty of people did we went in on the we're going to save this amount of money and we're going to stop all this illegal immigration and it's uh it's ironic really that facebook can have such an influence on that and just really not know it facebook yeah you you, you, you facebook isn't your friend you know, we have a more we have a more intimate relationship with facebook many of us than we do with our husband or wife you know um <laughs> but it's but it's not our friend it's not there to be our friend it's not there to help us it's not there to no. it's there to sell us to other people that's what it's well it's, it's great that you and your wife get to have these kind of honest conversations and, and debates. Maybe I'll kind of re secretly record you next time you guys are, are having that chat. But listen, it's been really, really interesting to talk to you today. And it's opened my eyes up a little bit. And it, it's good to be honest and, and frank about some of this stuff. And I'm sure many people have different views and opinions um, around kind of what we've discussed. But I just wanted to thank you first and foremost, and also wish you the best of luck with Snap, because thank I think you. it's an amazing concept you know use facebook for the good that it can be with that business and i look forward to you know kind of traveling with snap in the future because i think you know if i can be better to the environment i can it's going to cost me less money and it's going to get me there more efficiently i'm all for that so huge kudos and well done amazing thank you it's been great fun i've really enjoyed it awesome thanks thomas so that's it you've made it the show's over Thank you for being with us. I hope you've been able to take something away, maybe solve a problem, or just know you're not alone. Here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way. Please feel free to find me on all social media channels, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search the Rony Morale podcast. Have an awesome day, and see you next time.